really just listening to the insured, um, not over talking them, giving understanding, you know, allowing them to uh, display to you their issue. And so if you can actually hear what they're saying, then you can help. We are back. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the season two of the New Adjuster podcast. My name is Murphy Bugs. I'm with the property training department here at CNC, and my co-host is... David James. I'm also with the property training department. And we're very thankful to have you this year. We touched on a lot of great subjects in season one from the realm of property and flood and desk and field adjusting. This season, we want to dive a little bit deeper into those subjects as well as introduce some new ones as far as the licensing from the recruiting side of things, whenever you're getting started as a new adjuster, even in the auto side of adjusting. So the value of this podcast grows with each and every episode as we just give you more and more knowledge and maybe more ideas and issues that we see as a new adjuster that will help you really get into the field of adjusting. So the audio of this podcast will be on Apple and Spotify and the video will be on YouTube as well. So however you may be watching, however you may be listening, we send our thankfulness and gratitude to you that you are joining us for season two. And we hope that you have a great time and learn some new things about the field of adjusting. All right, without further ado, we want to jump into the first episode of season two of the New Adjuster podcast. Joining us today is a very special guest, a a desk adjuster uh, that recently worked with CNC, Mr. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, we're super glad to have you. Absolutely super glad to have you. Talk a little bit about as as you being a new adjuster in this field and for new adjusters that are listening and or watching, how many years of experience did you have before you got into this deployment? How have you... How long have you been doing it since you've been on the deployment? Are you still currently working? Um, And then if you've worked before, how many hurricanes or storms or deployments have you worked up until this point? Okay, well, this is my first deployment. Oh, okay. And I'm currently working with some of the end claims as well. Uh, We just kind of transitioned into daily claims. And it was definitely an adjustment. Um, I really enjoy it, um, mainly because you have to have some empathy and, you know, you have to understand that the customers that it's customer service basically right um, being able to give uh, insured you know the communication that they need so they can they can feel secure um, as far as adjusting uh, I think that it's a fast pace you got to be able to keep up you got to have great office etiquette and you got to be professional at all times uh, uh, coming from um, working in the office setting it was a it wasn't a bad adjustment for me, just understanding that, you know, we have tasks to fulfill to make sure that the insured, you know, is is, is safe, feeling feeling safe, making sure that their home, you know, is being taken care of by the carrier. Yeah, absolutely. First deployment. So have you, have you been deployed the entire time or were you uh, released, let go and come back or, or did you get another deployment? Has you just been... Thankfully, the whole time, right? thankfully, I've been de- um, deployed the same the whole time, the entire time. Yes, yeah, so I want to get into that a little bit. So, um, you've been deployed the whole time. Usually, uh, you know, for newer folks, you come in and you work a storm, and you kind of it works itself out as far as the volume as it goes down. You know, if there's no more work, you know, you have to try to find some more work, but you stayed on the entire time. So, how do you think that uh, what's what's made you stay here or stay deployed, uh, what you've seen and what you may have experienced? Um, I think uh, adjusting well, uh, carrying out tasks uh, mm-hmm. as as given, um, just staying on task. I think that's the biggest um, <clears throat> role, being able to keep up. 
if you're not able to um, understand what's going on, uh, I think that can be your biggest downfall, you know, because yeah. reading is fundamental when it comes to adjusting. You have to go into the SOP and actually understand what that carrier is providing to understand right. what they want to give to the, ins the insurer. Right. So. I'll tell you something. Uh, when I first started, I'm not going to say how long ago it was, but uh, a long time ago, um, I was I, I just got started and, and you kind of know how things start to slow down. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to keep working. What yeah. do I want to do to keep working? So I went and asked and uh, I'll never forget it. It was four to five things that they told me uh, to keep you deployed is, like you mentioned, taking care of your policyholders, like surveys, making sure they're satisfied, yep. being coachable. Okay. Especially if you're new, uh, taking not so much criticism, but taking what you may make mistakes at or, or what you need to do here or there or something you can improve on mm -hmm. and being open to it instead of just being shut off. And, and, you know, you know more than the person who's been doing it for 20 years or whatever. <laughs> um, the other one is licensing, obviously. Yes. Uh, the more licenses you have, the more deployable you are. And uh, being on time, showing up. You know, yes. if you want to do it, you got to be passionate about it and, and show the, the work ethic there. So uh, that was just wanted to get your take on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> another thing is, too, and you, you talked about when you first come in, you're reading the SOPs, standard operating procedures and policies and things like that. Yeah. What are some other initial responsibilities, like first couple days of the storm, uh, whenever you come on a deployment, what's really the first things you're doing when you get at a desk? And after you've gone through the initial onboarding training, what, what do you do after that? What's your first thing you start doing? Well, um, first, initial contact, just making sure you're making contact with these insurers to let them know that they're, they're not out, out there by themselves. Right. Um, after the initial contact, letting them know that um, <clears throat> the scheduling department may be making contact to go ahead uh, to schedule an inspection, which is very important. Um, just giving, though, giving them um, the different uh, tasks that they need to follow to make sure that when the field adjuster come out, a tarp's not on the roof or, you know, they have access to the home to avoid this inspection being canceled because of the high volume of claims that, especially during the end, um, hur the hurricane end, because it was a high volume of claims. Everyone needed help. Everybody wanted assistance, but we had to make sure that they did their part as well. So, and that right. was very big. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You touched on it. And for me, I still, when we talk to, when we teach classes and talk to newer folks, as far as, uh, what to do or, or be successful is setting the expectation. Yeah. What what to expect. And I always tell folks is to put yourself in their shoes. What would you want to know? And, and you said that, you know, like their life's turned upside down no matter how big or small the claim is, you're yes. out of your routine, right? Yes. So, you know, you, you're used to getting up, going to work every day. Well, now you have a hole in your roof or you can't use your kitchen or half the floors tore up or whatever no it is. So you have to like you touched on it too, having empathy and being sympathetic with sympathetic with them and try to understand where they're yes. coming from and, you know, <clears throat> trying to see it from their perspective and uh, help them in the best way. Reassure them that, you know, it's our goal to put you back in the condition you were prior to the loss. Yes. Yeah. And I heard you mention it too. One of the biggest things is the insurance not having power. What are some other conditions that you saw? I know you mentioned tarps on the roof, no power. Oh, what are some other conditions right after the loss that policyholders are dealing with that you have to help them, you know, kind of coach them through that mm -hmm. process on what to do and how do they get the process started? Because it is some of it's on the policyholder to get the ball rolling on the claim. Well, um, 
helping an insured to understand that they can mitigate their own home, um, helping an insured to identify that their living situation saying that that they're not livable may not be the the carrier's um definition definition yeah, of what you're saying yeah yeah so uh different things like that being able to identify that just because you smell mold that it may not be mold right. um you know mold is already in the home anyway right. just on a natural right. so um just giving them the understanding and giving them um, I won't say the lame terms of what we expect because we can give them all the policies and they're still not able to understand. Sure. So determining their coverage and asking them, you know, um, do they understand, giving them time to thoroughly review um, the coverage determination that we may have uh, sent out to them via email or by mail. Um, it's just um, really Really, customer service and communication across the board, which what really would carry a adjuster, a, feel, a desk adjuster anyway, is communicating with them, making them feel, you know, because everybody's going to have their times where they're growing, they're impatient about what's going sure. on. But it's a lot of stuff is out of our control as well, because right. the field adjuster may not be able to have access to get to the insured at that yeah. time or that day. Um, and they, they, be, they may just be booked for the day in that area. So it's just a lot of different intangibles that, you know, we have to go through to let the insurer know that we have their back and we're going to get them back to their pre-loss condition. Right. Right. You touched on it as far as communication being key, um, what we've discussed, you know, and I'll ask you this. Have you ever, you know, prior to coming here in your deployment, how many times have you read your policy? Um, never re- read my policy. <laughs> okay. so, me neither. Never read my policy. Until I started Same. doing this. So that was that was one of the things is, you know, Whenever, whenever they would ask me a question or, and I didn't know, I would, you know, the first my response would be, "Let me check your policy," right? Yes. Because it was it was in a different language to me from the outside, and I, I mean, I'm relying on you to help me. You Give know, you you're insight. the expert from that. So, uh, communication is is very vital. Also, working with the field adjuster yes. um, or the other folks, there may be a housing vendor involved. Mm-hmm. You have to coordinate that. With yes. the customer and let them know, you know, we may have assistance to help you be on the lookout for their phone call. And you get, you, you document the first contact to me is key because that's where you set the expectations. And exceed expectations too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you, you again, go back to what, what would you want to know? What, what do you need to know? Ask the questions. Have I covered everything with you? What are, what are you expecting? Um, and throw that out there. Try to go ahead. I always try to jump the hurdle of we want to find coverage for you. Yes. Okay. We're not out to deny uh, any of your damages that you're claiming. Our our job is to find coverage for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So when you're handling hurricane claims, obviously the stress level is is high, right? You yes. know, you, you got a bunch of new claims that are put on your desk or in your queue from day one. How do you manage your day? Because obviously, you know, you may have a hundred claims assigned to you. How do you prioritize one from the next? Or, you know, or do you do the highest severity claims first to lowest? How does that work for you? How do you order that out? Well, and it's set up in different systems. Uh, so we use activities. Um, I think that was my biggest you know, hell, it was it was the uh, it was my go to um, assigning yourself activities. Uh, once you make initial contact to follow up with the field adjuster to see if they uploaded, you know, their documents um, so we can go ahead and review just uh, being able to stay on task as far as severity. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that we would 
we would um, schedule it due to severity. Okay. Um, if that claim came in, we want to we want to take it as it come. Um, every claim's different, right? Yeah, you every mean, claim I mean, is different. Every claim's different. And every claim is important. Yeah, you know the the policyholders they don't. We shouldn't, you know. Tell them that we have seventy five claims, and oh, they don't. No. The only one they care about is theirs, right? Right. That's Everybody definitely the so. most important one you have. That's right. Right. Yep. Right. It's exactly right. So, you know, staying organized. I know you talk about uh, tasks and activities, but I mean that's one of the the um, keys to success, in my opinion, is being organized yes. and coming in. And I can tell you that, you know, in the morning you write all your estimates, or you 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 know write all your notes, and, and in the afternoon you make all your phone calls. But yeah. that may not work for Murphy. Yeah. It may not work for, for you or whatever, but that's what works for me. But as long as you're handling and staying in compliance, and one of the biggest complaints or the biggest opportunities is staying in constant communication with the policyholder uh, and keeping everything, keeping them up to date on what's going on rather than just being left out there for a week, two weeks, not knowing, you know, what I haven't heard from my adjuster in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, that's just. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you're going to have in a, in a catastrophe scenario, you're going to have policyholders. Some of them are super upset. Like you said, some of them may be impatient. But with every one of those, I think, comes a good story, a, a heartwarming story, a, me a memorable story. Tell us about, you know, maybe some particular claims where, you know, it was I mean, it's a disaster scenario, right? Mm -hmm. It is a breakup from normal life. What are some areas where you did exceed expectations in? And, you know, what are some some good feedback that you got on things that you did well that may help a new adjuster, you know, give them some tips on how can I exceed expectations from that first phone call all the way to the end? Well, um Really just listening to the insured, um, not over talking them, giving understanding, you know, allowing them to uh, display to you their issue. And so if you can actually hear what they're saying, then you can help. Um, I had an insured who was initially uh, they needed a tarp, right. uh, but they were scrambling around, not knowing they was uh, probably in the mid 80s. And like, I'm not getting on top of the roof. Uh, I was like, it's OK. You know, we can send uh, service, our service provider over to go ahead and get you top. She's like, oh, thank you so much, because I didn't know what I, I, I was going to do without mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, and just going throughout the process, the personal property and, you know, utilizing the tools that we have um, to get those service over. Um, we have different providers that can come in and do the inventory for you um, to talk to you, because a lot of the insurers were not using email address. So right. that was a tough task, too, because. Sure. When you have access to email, we can go ahead and get those documentation and everything over to you really quickly. But if we got to send it through the mail, you know, it's a it lot a harder. Bit longer, yeah. um, but but the insured uh, was very happy about the communication more than anything, even though it took some time. Um, they were happy about that because they was like, you stayed with me throughout the whole process and you communicated with me. You did not leave me on read right. pretty much. Right. Um, I think that's the biggest factor, being able to communicate and understand what you're talking about. Like, because if you're telling the uh, insurer that you don't know, then they're like going left. They're going crazy. Like, right. hey, can I speak to a supervisor? Sure, escalating absolutely. the call, uh, escalating the claim. And um, I think that's the biggest deal, uh, being able to give comfort through communication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that phrase. Yeah, comfort I mean, 
Yeah, because the thing about it is communication is key. And it's a word you mentioned four or five times just then. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of times from my personal experience, it may not be phone call may not be the best avenue. Sometimes, like you said, they're not using email. I know a lot of times desk adjusters will text policyholders. That's an easy, quick way for yeah. them to shoot you back a text. They may be at work and they can't answer the phone. But that text is, you know, not only reassuring to let them know, hey, I'm here for you, but you're also gaining information at yes. the same time. So, yeah, I would say communication is key for a desk adjuster just as you just spoke to. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on, um, we, I, I'm a firm believer in learning from, from each storm or each deployment. Um, obviously, this has been your, you're still on your first deployment. Um, knowing now versus when you first come in, is there anything that sticks out that uh, did it meet your expectations or were you expecting something less or more or anything well, it was definitely different. Mm-hmm. Um, getting in and understanding what tools you need, um, uh, different tools like being certified for Xactimate, actually understanding those line items when you have to break down a scope dispute, sure. right. I think is very important. Um, because if you don't know what a soffit is, then you're like, you're What's going on? Another, yeah, you're speaking another language yeah, to you, right? Yeah, you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of direction to pay and assignment mm-hmm. of benefits, and they're speaking in their language as a contractor. You know, it and, can be intimidating. Yeah, because right? you're trying to. I'm trying to resolve the claim, but I don't know what you're talking about. And right. being able to have all those different tools um, is definitely uh, an advantage that you can have. Um, being able to be sitting at a desk and being able to do the research and be able to identify mm-hmm. what these different, um, these di- it's, it's a lingo. Everybody has a different lingo to yeah. just like desk adjusters. We may right. be talking about, you know, SOP and everybody like, what's the SOP? Right. You know, right. but, um, spell, spell that out for me. Yeah. Right. And so it was it definitely being able to un- uh, understand those different line items. Uh, as far as customer service, I think I just kind of put myself into, um, in, into that insurance uh, uh, shoes because mm-hmm. I, I want to be taken care of. I want that uh, person on the other end of the phone to be able to take care of me and make me feel comfortable, you right, know, right, uh, right. especially if I'm paying an insurance premium. Uh, so I think that's the biggest, biggest take, uh, just being equipped uh, to handle any claim that come in front of you because each, each um, carrier is going to definitely have a different way um, that they want right. uh, you to handle their claims. Right. Um, but I think the basics, understanding line items, understanding policy. Mm-hmm. Um, customer service. Customer service. Being, being empathetic. Um, and it goes back to, if you're serious about it, it's just taking, I mean, there's free training out there or training out there, yes. you know, from in really any avenue you want to uh, search for. Uh, just like for CNC, you know, we've got our own LMS uh, system that you can go yeah, on CNC and take Pro. the modules. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. So what would you give to, like I said, a new adjuster? That's our audience here. So a new adjuster that wants to get into the desk adjusting aspect of catastrophe deployments. What's some advice that you would give other than the customer service aspect and train as much as you can? What's some some tips and some tricks that you can help with a brand new person? They get that call. They're licensed. They're ready to be deployed. What are some things that you can tell them that day one, hey, just be prepared for this, expect this. You know, what are some what are some things that you can speak to on the on those notions? Um, for new adjusters coming in, um, the thing that I will give you is that you have to be versatile. Yeah. You gotta be able to pivot at any time. Um 
the first day you may be doing initial appointments, the next day you may be writing uh, coverage termination letters. Right. And then you may be calling um, the field adjuster to communicate with them. So just being able to to, to uh, handle multiple tasks, you got to be able to multitask, you got to be able to pivot. And you can't get into this for one particular thing. You got to be ready to help someone. That's that's the biggest goal. Like being able to go to sleep at night saying, hey, I help, I help this insurer get back into their home. Right. That's the biggest deal. Um, I think a lot of time people get into this field and they look at maybe the financial part of it, but sure, you get lost in the shuffle if it's just about that. That's right. Because uh, you definitely gotta you gotta have you gotta have a heart for it. Yeah, you got uh, you gotta care about it. That's that's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, especially working seven days a week, twelve hour days. Oh right? yeah, because you. I mean, I mean <laughs> are you are you in town, out of town, or did you you know did you travel into the firm location? Do, mm-hmm. do you work remote? Do they require you to be on site? I mean, there's lots of things to, to to take into consideration as far as do you have to get your own equipment? Is it applied to you, uh, provided to you? Um, different uh, different investments that you have to make, you know, um, going in there and, and just researching it. You know, are you serious about it or are you just going to work the storm and go back to, to doing what you were doing? Yeah, and, and you mentioned too as well the, the fact of being able to pivot and, you know, move around to different avenues of the claim. You know, you may have five of them that are on day one and another 10 of them that are at the XYZ portion of the yeah. claim. I mean, you know, it's the kind of the famous adage, you know, adjusting, we adjust. You know, that's yes. part of it. You got to be able to adjust and, and navigate your way through your daily life as mm-hmm. a desk adjuster, you know, or as a field adjuster, you know, being able to pivot from an initial contact to now I've got to call and explain to somebody why it's denied or why it's paid for. You got to be able to, you know, open yourself up and, mm-hmm. and have a heart and care about it and be able to explain to each and every person why they're the most important and be able to fully invest your time and your mind into that specific policyholder. So tell me, tell me this, answer me this or validate it or not. The, one of the bigger um, obstacles or one of the biggest uh, misconceptions out there is denying somebody a part of their entire claim. I know for, for myself, it some folks appreciate it if you just take the time to explain why, right? Yes. Have you had, a, have you, have you had an instance like that to where they was like, you know what, I didn't know that, but thank you for... Oh, yeah. Um, denying, denying a policyholder... Um, their claim it can be a difficult task uh but again we revert back to communication mm-hmm. um you can't send an insured uh denial via email and don't call them because right. uh, then <laughs> then you are going to get a phone call yeah right? <laughs> so then we have an escalated claim um but being able to call them and give them understanding and sometimes it's good to even take a piece of that policy out of it and mm-hmm. you know point them in the direction right like you know we may not cover personal property because it may be an antique or something like that right and we don't know the value of it sure. um it may not necessarily be a, a storm created opening um uh, you know so we want to know what the issue is so you you have a hurricane policy but you had an ac leak and so we're not going to cover that and so when you explain that to an insurer you know they may not be as happy because they want to get that thing taken care of right um but when you break it down to them, um, they know that we've done everything that we're supposed to do right. on our ends right. to co- to try to cover that claim. So mm-hmm. I think it's difficult just when you're dealing with them and they don't have no place to go. Right. So Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, we touched on a lot of good topics. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you being here. I know David appreciates you being yeah. here as well. Um, like I said, the answers you gave were 
super important. They're super informative for new adjusters that are trying to get into this field. So again, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. You were fantastic. We'd love to have you back again Absolutely. sometime in the future. All Thanks right, for now. being here. All right. Thank you. Thanks, All Kenneth. Right. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the New Adjuster Podcast Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, as you can tell here, we've changed up the, the setup here in the desk a little bit. Uh, we do have a new guest, uh, Brady Huggins, uh, field adjuster that's worked for us in the past a little bit. Um, and want to bring him in live from Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, to ask him a couple questions. So, Brady, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, all right, good deal. All right, so let's jump right into it. Let's talk about, you know, for the folks that may not be aware of who you are and what you've done, how you got to this point, uh, how many years have you worked as a field adjuster and how many hurricanes, like named, you know, big catastrophe storms have you worked, not just for CNC, but just in general? Yeah, my uh, <clears throat> first hurricane was Hurricane Ike back in 2008, was actually with CNC. Um, before that, I... Uh, my dad was an independent adjuster, so I kind of was a claims assistant with him, working hand in hand, getting the training and everything. Um, since then, I think I was trying to count the other day. I think I have thirteen hurricanes under my belt. Wow! Um, and then you know Texas freeze, hell storms, which you don't name hell storms; you just remember the good ones, right? Um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of my bread and butter. Is uh, you know every major hurricane I've worked. Um, didn't go out to Sandy. I was doing other things, but there really wasn't much else between 08 and then 16. It seems to hit one every year. See if we keep it going. That's right. Yeah. The the Texas freeze folks seem to forget about that. <clears throat> you don't necessarily have to have a hurricane mm -hmm. to have a catastrophe. And I know that was widespread across uh, Texas for that. Folks are yeah, still putting their homes back together. Yeah, it absolutely was. Oh. <clears throat> so let's talk about, um, talk to us a little bit about with, uh, let's say, Hurricane Ian, your, uh, I want to say your initial responsibilities, task, things that you, when you first got set up or when you got into the area, um, obviously making contact with your policyholders, but what was your experience? What did you do to get set up and kind of get into a, a groove? Yeah, I, my, my prep for hurricanes start probably a week before they, um, they hit. I'm watching the models. I'm watching the, the different personalities on the, online and you know, I got the guys that I follow um, and kind of I always, I, I give my wife a scale. It's always a zero to 10. I, I put her at like a, you know, we're at a three. That means keeping an eye on it pretty good. Once yeah. we get above five, it's time to start doing some laundry, not making any purchases, not spending any money yet. But once we get above seven, eight, nine, then it's, then I got to make sure my gear is ready. I got to make sure I have enough notepads. I have batteries, my measures, you know, if I'm working hell all year, I got to make sure my moisture meter is working that my, uh, laser measure is working, uh, got, you know, make sure I have all that stuff and then prepping for potentially, you know, going into an area that doesn't have, you know, food available, things like that. So I go to Sam's club, load up on all that stuff, getting the car ready. So that's all happening the week prior. Um, and then it's a, it's a full two day drive for me to get down to the coast, pretty much any coast. Um, yeah. so once it, once it hits, I, uh, you know, I'm heading down there, we're securing lodging. I usually will, I'll go through and I'll, you know, watching the models in the end wasn't the most well forecast storm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we were, we, we were looking in Orlando area to drive into Tampa. So we booked an Airbnb there we, with cancellation that we were able to cancel that. Um, then we locked down lodging in Sarasota because um, we weren't quite sure where we were going to be working yet, but we knew we, that was striking distance. Right. But other areas when I'm not in Florida, um, I'll go through and book hotel rooms, multiple hotel rooms in multiple areas for a week to get me started to see yeah. and then you know all that i can cancel and 
uh, Florida is so, so easy with the lodging. There's mm-hmm. so many rentals. It's, it's nice working down there for that. Especially in Orlando with, with Disney World yeah. being right there, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> the, uh, is it's interesting you say that as far as booking hotels, because, um, from a new adjuster standpoint, they may not know this, but wherever you're staying at, uh, really, you could be in the same hotel as the policyholder that you're working on their claim with. Exactly. Know? It's we're in competition. <laughs> we call it, you know, <laughs> you know, we call it you, when, if you're staying in a hotel and usually, you know, as y'all know, I travel with a little group of adjusters. So we usually get a house, um, which is just much more comfortable. Sure. But I've run plenty of solo deployments like uh, the uh, Iowa Duratio, which was basically oh, yeah. a hurricane in Iowa. And you're outside you if you walk outside you're there with the with the homeowners you right. know it's a lot of competition for those hotel rooms so if you can at least if you know where you're going and you if you're a new adjuster you know where the war room's going to be set up and that's where you're going to stay and you'll just figure you'll drive no matter what yeah. <clears throat> you, you get book it for at least two three weeks mm-hmm. because the real peak and when the uh, hotel rooms are going to be gone is to you know after about a Five days after the storm, that's whenever people are coming back from evacuating. That's when right. they're going to be right. locking those hotel rooms up. Right. right. And one thing I want to ask about that, a lot of new adjusters <laughs> aren't aware of that. They think, you know, hurricane travels, I just got to go there and I got to work claims. But they don't think about the lodging portion. Do you sign up for, you know, like rewards programs like Hotels.com and things like yeah, that? Does uh-huh. that kind of help you get in the door and get started with those stays? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hotels.com is where I book I book everything through hotels.com on a credit card that gives me rewards. So I get double rewards on that. And they've just recently changed everything and this is like an ad for hotels.com, but they're with also Expedia and VRBO. So you you get rewards through all of them into one account. But it used to be something like every 10th night is a every 10th night is a free stay free which right. I I use for family vacation. I was just about you to know, say I, that's that's what I book those for, and that's what I use my points for. We <clears throat> can knock out a couple hundred bucks off of a little three or four day trip. It's pretty nice, right? Right, yeah, makes sense. That's actually, a, yeah, uh, good yeah. question. Absolutely makes sense. So obviously, you get down there, right? You you're staying in your hotel. You know, you talked about having you know my five spots and things like that. Like if there's no internet signal thing, other than that, what kind of conditions do you run into? I mean, other than it probably being incredibly hot, you know, what, what other yeah. kind of conditions do you run into? What are some things that you have to think about ahead of time before you get there? Yep. And this is, I think it's more of a little bit of an old school prior one. The Florida's response this time was so amazing at how fast they had everything up. But in prior storms, um, you know, like my dad, is old school. So I always would hear him. You got to have cash because a lot of the places, credit cards are going to be down and that that's still true. does happen. Uh, you need cash on hand. Um, I drive a car, so I get really good gas mileage. So I don't ever bring a gas tank with me cause I don't want a gas tank in my car. Um, but if you drive a big old truck, get a gas tank in the back so you can double fill up. So, you, cause a lot of times you have to wait in long lines for gas. Um, what about, sure uh, you have, have you ever had a flat tire? That's what I was going to say. Make sure you have a spl- uh, a spare tire, make sure you know how to do it. <laughs> fix a flat. Make sure you know where it is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fix a flat, all that good stuff. Um, Jared last year pulled up to the to the house and his battery was dying. So he had to go and find mm. oh, geez. a place to get his battery replaced. So, and last year I had my car go down for about four or five days towards the end of Ian. And I had to take it to a shop and get all this expensive Florida work done on it. Um, so you got to know your resources. You can always rent a car. Yeah. You know, there's... Yeah. You just 
you got to make sure your equipment's as good as it gets. But if you're brand new and you're starting out, you're not going to be able to, you might be on a car that's a little shaky. You sure. might be need to be prepared for, you know, if your AC goes out, it's, there's a lot of hidden expenses that can pop up. Right. right. Kind of like, I mean, if you go into really ground zero, I mean, you've got uh, debris all over the place you're driving over. You got oh, yeah. mosquitoes and bugs Michael. and everything. I don't know how, uh, I, I didn't catch a nail at Michael, but <laughs> you know, you, you should be, ca- I haven't caught it. Oh, that next storm I will for sure now, but I've never <laughs> caught a nail in the tire on these storms. But some of the stuff you drive through is, you know, you're driving through some questionable stuff. You're like, oh, is there, I don't know, about two inches of water on that road. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> you make some, some decisions there. Yeah. So you yeah. just got to be smart about it. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of challenges, you know, maybe with uh, hurricane Ian, but in the past, anything stand out to you um, and being able to see damage, determine coverage, you know, if it's uh, something blocking your, your view or, or uh, going in there or even paperwork, like, you know, the system's not up. We talked about uh, the Wi-Fi being up or down, the power. How do you, do you keep like um, a notebook? You know, everything's electronic and now we got AI going on these days. What, what, uh, how did you overcome any of that? Yeah. For, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm old school. I, I use scope notes. I have a notepad and pen and paper and my, uh, my photos are on a memory card for my camera. I separate all my devices so that I have that, um, internet. We will purposely stay away from the ground zero right away. We move closer as the storm progresses. Yeah. So we started in Sarasota in where power was on the power stayed on up there. Amazingly mm. power was on. Yeah. We had internet. We make sure we have internet. So, because that without that, we're not working. Right. You can still write up claims. You can still label photos. You can do everything, <clears> but you can't submit the claim. You can't be paid unless you submit the claim. So, we are ready to go day one uh, on that. Even if I have to drive an extra forty-five minutes, it's that's worth it to me. Uh, and then we move closer to the end of it. We were staying in Cape Coral, so they you just you progress. You got to be ready to move as you need to to be more efficient. Um, as for scoping the properties, it's depends on what country, where you're at. If you're in Louisiana, if you're in the Panhandle, if you're in North Carolina, you're going to have trees everywhere, mm-hmm. and you just got to do the best you can do. Um, I know at, at Michael, I was climbing <laughs> over fallen trees. You know, I was yeah. trying to get as close as I could right. to see it. There's, you can assume some damage with some of these. You know, like Louisiana, big old oak tree lands ha- splits a house in half, and you see a big old foundation crack. Right. You know, the house is done. Um, you know, one but, of the, one of the challenges with that is is you've got to come back and and once the tree was, is removed, you've got to go back and inspect because it's impossible yep. to know all the damage. Yeah, um, and that's that's common outside of hurricanes. That's mm-hmm. you know tree claims. That's all across the country. Windstorms, um, yeah. and that's more sure. common, I would say, in a windstorm deployment than a hurricane deployment. Because um, hurricane deployments, you get the trees moving pretty quick because the area yeah. floods with contractors. Right. Um, yeah, and you so you have those little you know the the canopy of a tree is up against the house. You don't know if it even damaged it. So exactly. you just, right. you can, you know, you make sure it's aware of it, but you can at least get the initial part, part, you know, documented. And if it's severe, you can make sure the desk adjuster knows that this person needs ALE, you know, mm-hmm. this person, you know, they have severe water damage inside. You can at least get that. And it calms the insured down too, to know I've already seen someone they're on it. You know, you get to meet them face to face. You're no longer just over the phone. You can call, you know, calm them down, let them know, you know, I'll be back as soon as I can. Just call me right. once that tree's moved. Right. right. You don't want to go out and in a hurricane, you get 60, 70 claims. You don't want to go out and inspect all of them in the first week and then come back home to 
the opposite side of the country and try to write them. I, I yeah. think that's a, a myth there as far as being able to yeah. to do that accurately. That's just not, yeah, not well, the best it, idea. Yeah, I think you forget all the tiny details, the nuances, you know, on each claim if you try to do that. If you try to inspect, inspect, and then write, write at the end, mm-hmm. I can see that being a huge or challenge. Or how about floodwater? Yeah. You know, this mm-hmm. one had a lot of flooding. I, yeah. I wasn't working central Florida, but I know some guys that were out there and they couldn't get out there. Sure. You know, yeah. you got to let it go down. Florence was bad about that. We couldn't, there were roads weren't open. Right. Yeah. You know, Harvey, that same thing. You can't, you can't, a lot of these that dump the big amounts of water there, then the insurance usually know they're like, yeah, it's still underwater. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, in Fort Myers, I wait my first day. I, you know, waded through some, it wasn't nasty ones and stuff I couldn't wade through, but you know, I waded through, but got to the house, but you know, maybe get you some tall boots because right. <clears throat> you got to do what you got to uh, do. Yeah, your, get your yeah. waders. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> your duck hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, another part of it is too, for new adjusters, this is a, it's a large undertaking right up front, right? You, you got a lot of equipment, you got a lot of upfront expenses and to go along with that, you got a lot of stress, right? Your stress level is 10 out of 10. How do you deal with that on your first storm? How do you deal with that stress level? How does it how does it, you know, kind of go down over time? And then as you do more storms, talk to us about that. How does that, you know, make it easier for the next storm and the one after that? Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but the, the initial dump of claims, you're trying to travel there, that stress is never going to go away. Sure. If it does, it means you don't care anymore. Right. You know, you got timelines to hit. You got to, you need to make contact with those people. You got to also somehow drive, you know, it, that's, that's part of it, but it's through experience. You just get more and more used to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I felt like it. Ian, I was running as probably the best I've ever run. It just felt everything was seamless for me. I, you know, but I had that benefit of this is a carrier I've worked a lot of claims for. I don't right. have a lot of questions up front, but I've even, you know, with my experience, whenever I go run a hurricane for a new carrier, it is a bumpy start. I'm getting revisions for things that I didn't know. Why am I having to revise that? That's not how right. I write my estimates. You right. know, they, they don't want me using this one word in my photos, you know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. And sure. it's, it's frustrating. It slows you down, but you pick it up over time. Yeah. 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 The, some advice, I mean, obviously you're seasoned. Uh, you've been doing it for a very long time and very good at it. What, um, if I was new looking to get into a change of career or just got my license and, or hurricane hit or a catastrophe hit, what kind of advice um, would you give yourself if you were starting over or if you were brand new? Yeah, and I, I like to say I've made every mistake you can make <laughs> kind of thing. So, so you you're going you're gonna to make mistakes. Um, I still make mistakes to this day. Don't overextend yourself. That's probably the hardest thing to do even for me today. Someone calls me and says, hey, I got this claim over here. Can you take it? Why would I say, no, I can make money off of that? Well, mm-hmm. I take it and then it takes me three weeks to get to it because I've overextended myself out west and this one's out east. So be reasonable. Understand that you're first, just like if you're opening any business, you're not going to make as much money as you you know would like to. you got to put in the time to earn that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to, it's just, I would say get, if you have a firm and you are starting brand new and they're trying to drop you know, 75 claims on, a, on you as brand new. And you're like, speak up, say, Hey, I can't, I, this is too much for me kind mm-hmm, of thing, you right. know? Um, so don't overextend yourself, take it slow. Mm-hmm. Um, do not overscope. That's, 
that's the one lesson I've learned that I've actually applied now. I do not overscope anymore. Yeah. Now my my not overscoping is probably more than a new adjuster. So I can go look at six, seven, eight a day, and I'm still not going to miss my turnaround times. Right. Once you know your territory and the damage you're dealing with too. Right. Um, if it means going out for one, if it means if you have to travel two days to get there, you have family at home, maybe take that first day to sit there at your hotel, make sure you're organized, schedule out all your claims, make sure everyone has one, two, three contact attempts, make sure your notes are updated on that very first day and then hit it the next day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, you bring that up. It's, I was going to ask you about organization. Do you have like a, a spreadsheet or a flow chart or, or yeah, how do you I, keep up with all that? I, it depends on what I'm running on. If, if I have a good claims management software, mm-hmm. then I will u- use that as my management. I have a big old legal pad mm-hmm. and that's where I'm writing my schedules. Um, each page is a different day. Um, you know, <laughs> if I, I, I struggle using exact analysis as my management software, I, I lose claims in that. So I'll, you know, I'll go through every three or four days or whenever, you know, when the storms start winding down, it's kind of lower volume. I'll go through and check every single claim and be like, okay, just cause I'm so scared of something slipping through the cracks. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just use pen and paper. Um, I'll make a note of no contact ones that I don't have contact with. Mm-hmm. And that list, I'll slowly cross them off or add more to it. And yeah, just pen and paper is what I use. I, I don't really like using the, the spreadsheet it. for it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey, I, Brady, I really appreciate it. I mean, I think we pretty much touched on everything we had today. It was a lot of good stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff for new adjusters, like I said, may not be aware of that may help them get into it. I know coming from a seasoned person like yourself, it helps a new person see what's the end game and where can I get to? How can I manage the stress and the equipment and the tools? I think you touched on all that really well. Right. Um, so that's all I have. David, do you have anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I, I think you hit, a, you hit it right on the head. I just uh, want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to yep. uh, invest in, you know, pay it forward, so to speak. Yeah. Anytime you'll need me, just holler. All right. Thanks, Brady. Thanks, sir. Have a good one, man. See you. All right. Thanks.